0: This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're going to talk today about from the time that Joseph is sold into slavery into the land of Egypt. And we're going to pick right up there. If you want to be in Genesis chapter 39, you say Joshua were in Genesis 37 last week? That's because Genesis 38 is kind of like a, an odd chapter. It's kind of placed in the middle of the story and it doesn't really deal with Joseph per se. Um, and so we're going to move right into Genesis chapter 39, Genesis chapter 39. I'm not going to read the entirety of the story today. Um, I will read it as we talk through, The story. But basically, I think if you've been in church, you may know this story already. When he gets to Egypt, he is sold to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is a successful man. He obviously is successful enough to hire uh, and and buy servants. And so uh, he is one of Potiphar's servants. And Joseph works his way up. He gains favor uh, just as he has gained favor with his father. And just as he will gain favor again later on in his life, he gains favor favor with Potiphar. And Potiphar puts him in charge of everything within his house. And by the way, let me just say this. It's not just that Joseph worked hard. It was that Joseph worked hard and he earned the trust of Potiphar. Um, there, there is a difference. You know, it's one thing to work hard. It's another thing to not only work hard, but in your working hard, your competency is such that the, the boss says, I trust you. In, in essence, he says, Joseph, here's the keys to the kingdom. Hey, when I'm not here, you are 100% in charge. That's what he tells Joseph. That's what Joseph, this slave uh, in a country that he, is, uh, un- he has, that he has no affiliation with, in a country where he is literally lost, Joseph finds favor With Potiphar there's a lesson in that and we're not in a character necessarily a character sketch today or this series but there is a lesson to be learned there but we pick up the story with Potiphar's wife Potiphar's wife as Joseph is left in charge and Potiphar's away on whatever it is that Potiphar is doing Joseph finds himself in a situation, a potentially uh, condemning, a potential damning situation where Potiphar's wife had been making advances uh, toward him. And he finds himself in a situation where Potiphar's wife throws herself at him and and he attempts to run away as he does. She grabs a hold of his coat. And by the way, there are some, and I'm not going to spend time doing this, but Joseph and his coat. There, There are some correlations. Joseph's coat was given to him by his father to signify his sonship, to signify who he was. His coat was ripped from him and torn up to pieces and, and bloodied to show his death to his father. And now once again, Joseph evidently has been given another coat. So there is something there. There's, a, there's kind of an a, a intertwined meaning there, but she removes his coat. And takes his coat and then, uh, and and tells a story to Potiphar and he goes to, uh, Potiphar Potiphar is told by his wife that Joseph made an advancement of her. And Potiphar believes his wife and Potiphar betrays the trust that he had given to Joseph and Potiphar ends up having Joseph thrown in to prison. That's the story in a nutshell. But today we want to look a little bit deeper as we do every week. We want to look a little bit closer every week, as we do every week. And we want to find what God has for us within this story. And I want us to see, first of all, uh, we see this morning Joseph's faithfulness to his earthly master. Joseph's faithfulness to his earthly master. Look at uh, verse 3. It'll be on the screens for you. But it says this, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found Favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields, and he left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. We see Joseph's faithfulness to his earthly master. Potiphar was Joseph's authority, period. Joseph's God-given authority at this season of his life was Potiphar. And Joseph proved himself, himself faithful to his earthly master. Notice that Joseph found favor verse 4 with his master and became his personal attendant in Potiphar put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority I love what verse 5 says the Lord blessed Potiphar because of Joseph Joseph's faithfulness to his earthly master. Joseph showed his true character, his godly, his biblical character by his work ethic and his faithfulness and his loyalty to his boss. And that landed him, if you want to look at it this way, moving up the servant corporate ladder. He moved up very quickly within the household of Potiphar. And, And Joseph found himself in a situation that none of us would like to be in, a slave. We have spent decades in our country fighting the idea of slavery. Uh, this, this globally, there's major issues continually in the, in the world right now uh, of slavery, and even related to that, human trafficking, even within our country, within the borders of our country, even today, no one wants to find themselves in that situation. But I love this quote. Joseph didn't wait for a better opportunity. He made where he was a better opportunity. Hey, Joseph could have very easily said, Hey, God, wait a minute. I'm my father's chosen son. I was given the coat of many colors. I know that my plot in life is to rule over my family. You told me that in a dream. And you remember, I told my brothers, and this is where all it started. Shouldn't have done that, God. But anyway, I told my brothers. I was, I was aggressive with my dream, and I told them. But, God, look, I'm a slave, I'm a servant. Joseph, very easy at that moment, could have said, you know what, obviously I'm not going to stay here long because God has already told me what I'm going to be one day, so, so I'm just going to ride this thing out. I'm just going to sit here and fly under the radar, do, it, do whatever I need to do just to get by. But Joseph didn't. No, Joseph didn't wait for a better opportunity to come. He didn't wait for that to happen. Joseph made where he was at currently a better opportunity. Hey, I bet you there were many people, there were many free people in Egypt that would say, hey, listen, I'll go work for Potiphar. I'd go work for him and be the second in command to be in charge of all of what Potiphar had. I would do that. I'm a free man and I would go do that. How much are you paying? I'll be there. Joseph finds favor and Joseph uh, works hard and shows his work ethic and didn't wait for a better opportunity. Joseph made where he was a better opportunity. And let me just say this, wherever God has you in life right now, whatever season you're in, Make that the best that it can possibly be. Hey, don't spend your life waiting for that job promotion. Spend your life making where you're at right now the best it can be. And what I've learned over the years and I've seen in other people's lives, I've seen the people that do that, you know what's funny? They seem to get promoted. You know what I found? Many people that are just always seeking the promotion, oftentimes they get sideswiped by someone else. I want to encourage you today, Joseph's, I want to encourage you today, 2018 Joseph's, to make where you are right now the best it can be. That's what Joseph did. He was faithful to God in this season of life. And I will say this just as a side note. As believers, we ought to be the most loyal, the most faithful, the hardest working, the most upstanding employees that we can possibly be in our jobs. We ought to be that. Hey, we, we ought not to be the ones in our jobs that, here's the thing, uh, the boss may not know, but your coworkers know that you're the one that always slides by. You know, depending on your, your structure, you're the one who always is, is cheating the, the time a little bit, or you're always the one who, uh, you know, this and your coworkers know they're picking up the slack behind you because you're not getting your work done. That's not the main focus of this sermon, but I think it is something that we ought to learn that Joseph, in every situation that he was at, excelled. Joseph, in every situation that he was, found himself in, he found favor. And he didn't do that just because God, like, pooh, like gave him favor out of nowhere. No, Joseph showed himself faithful. Joseph showed himself competent. And he found favor. I want to encourage you today to be that person at work. Hey, what, what, what a better, no better way to show Jesus to somebody than to be the hardest working, the most loyal, the most competent employee that you can possibly be. The most positive When things are going wrong that you can possibly be you know what happens over time people come to you and go what's different about you something's different when all this was taking place everybody else was reacting a certain way and i saw you calm cool and collected Hey, when everybody else went negative, we saw you stay positive. Hey, when we saw that, maybe that death in your family, and I've seen how everyone else handles that. You know, I saw you handle it differently. That's what we ought to all strive for. Joseph was faithful to his earthly master, number one. But secondly, this morning, we see that Joseph was faithful, most importantly, to his heavenly father. Joseph was faithful to his heavenly Father, and and stay with me as we talk through this. Look at verse 7. After some time, his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, looked longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me, but he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How, so how could I do this immense evil? and how could I sin against Potiphar? Zoda says. Okay, He says, "He has without nothing for me except you, because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil? and how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants were there. She grabbed him by his garment and said, "Sleep with me, but leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped. And ran outside. When she saw that he had left his garment with her and had run outside, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, my husband brought a Hebrew man to make make fools of us. He came to me so he could sleep with me. I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me screaming for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. Make no mistake about it. Had Joseph followed through with this, had Joseph yielded to this temptation, oh, it would have been a sin against Potiphar. I mean, let's be honest as a human being, I would say, listen, I gave you the command of my house. I entrusted you with everything in my house. I told you that I would withhold nothing for you in my house except for my wife. And you took the one thing, hey, is this Adam and Eve all over again? Hey, I told you you can eat of whatever tree you want to eat of in the Garden of Eden, and what do you go do? You go find that one tree I told you not to eat of, and you, you eat of that tree. You know, it would be a sin against Potiphar. It would have been a sin against Potiphar. But you know, I love how Joseph He addresses that. He says, my master does not concern himself with anything under his house. He has put everything in my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He's withheld nothing. He, He acknowledges, hey, listen, I understand the implications with Potiphar, but I love that he says, and how could I do this immense evil? And how could I sin against God? Certainly this morning, this would have been a sin against Potiphar. But that was not Joseph's motivation. Joseph knew that this sin would be a sin against Almighty God. Against Almighty God. And that's the motivation that we all need in relation to our sin. Hey, listen, I understand that our sin can affect horizontal relationships. I get that. And I'm not here to discount that or discredit that. But we need to understand that the first relationship that our sin hurts is nothing this way. The first relationship our sin hurts is this way. It's vertical. It's vertical. Every time, our sin. It's not good enough to just say, I'm going to stay with my spouse because of our kids. Oh, we got kids in the mix now. I guess we're going to stay together. You no, know, that, that's, that's not the motivation for staying out of sin. No, the motivation is, hey, I'm going to stay with my spouse because I know what Jesus Christ did for our, for our family. Hey, I know that me as a husband, and looking at me personally, that I'm commanded to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And so I'm not going to stay with my spouse for my kids. I'm going to stay with my spouse and I'm going to make this the best marriage I can make it because of Jesus. Because because I'm not going to sin against God. Yes, I would be sinning against my spouse and yes, I would be sinning against my two young daughters, but I would be ultimately sinning this way. Sinning against God and we need to refuse these temporary earthly motivations. It's not good enough to just be honest at work because you need the paycheck. That's not good enough. No, we need to be honest at work because not being honest at work would be a sin against Almighty God. And we must adjust our motivations for doing right and for not doing wrong. You see, Joseph's motivation was not that he would displease Potiphar. Joseph's motivation is that he would be sinning against God. Sinning against God. I think sometimes in our flesh, In the culture that we're in, it sounds a little better if we can kind of push it off on, oh, I'm just having an issue with with my brother here. No, you're not just having an issue with your brother here. You're having an issue with God here. And your brother happens to be the recipient of the sin. Hey, it's not just, oh, me and my wife or me and my husband, we're just having issues. It's not really that. And I hate to be so blunt today, and if you don't like the blunt preaching, i got like 30 other churches in the area that probably won't tell you this, right? So it's not that I'm just having issues with my spouse, my husband, or my wife. No, it's that I'm having issues with God. And you know what? It's, it's, it's displaying itself in this relationship. And at some point in time, it's it's not get down on my knees and beg her to come back or get down on my knees and beg her to stay. It's get down on my knees and beg God to, 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 to forgive my sin and beg confess my sin before God and repent before God. You see, Joseph understood, he understood that this sin would not just be a sin against Potiphar, this sin would be a sin against God. And you know what, Joseph was faithful. He was faithful to God first. And you know what it resulted in? He was faithful to Potiphar. He was faithful to God, that was his motivation but as a result, he was faithful to Potiphar. And I wanna say this, and this is not a blanket statement because every, every situation is unique and there are very complex issues in people's lives. I'm gonna make a blanket statement. The blanket statement is this. Typically, when this is right, typically, this is right. The Bible does say, as much as lieth in you, dwell, dwell peaceably with all men. I understand that sometimes there are situations beyond control. But for the most part, vertical's good, horizontal's good. For the most part. And I will say this, 99 times out of 100, problems here, problems here. Step to, to... so recovering step to, to getting those taken care of is not to fix this yet, is to fix this. And then fix that. It is a principle found over and over again in Scripture. It's a principle we see here. But our sin this morning is a sin against. God, what did Jesus say in the New Testament when you sin against the least of these? Whatever you've done unto the least of these, what does He say? You've done it unto me, Jesus said. Listen, we don't sin, and I don't mean this, I, I think you all understand what I'm saying, but in the grand scheme of things, we don't sin against each other. We sin against God. And that ought to hurt our hearts, it hurts my spirit. It hurts my heart to think that when I do those things or I allow those things in my life that I am sinning against the one who gave his his one and only son for me. I'm sinning against the one who loved me so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. That's the one I'm hurting. And I don't want to hurt that relationship. We've seen Joseph's faithfulness to his earthly master. We've seen Joseph's faithfulness to his heavenly father. But we see here Joseph's betrayal. He's betrayed by his earthly master. Look at verse 16. She put Joseph's garment beside her until his master came home, Potiphar. She told Potiphar the same story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make a fool of me. But when I screamed for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, these are the things your slave did to me. He was furious and had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Man, betrayal, that's like a common word in the story of Joseph. He's betrayed another time. Yet again, he's betrayed. It wasn't enough that Joseph was betrayed by his brothers back in in Dothan when they sold him into slavery. He He was betrayed by the one whom he had served, Potiphar, and been a wonderful employee and servant to. He was betrayed. And I give Potiphar a little bit of a break because I understand Potiphar is going to listen to his wife i mean husbands can i get a witness i mean you know you're not going to your first inkling is not like i think she's lying you know that's not your first inkling i understand i understand potiphar here but that doesn't mean necessarily that what happened was right i think we know because we're looking from the thirty thousand foot view up here from scripture we understand that it was wrong but how could potiphar have responded When he received the news of these allegations of Joseph. And and let's remove ourselves just for a second from the husband, the wife telling the husband these things. Allegations. While some situations like this one make it a little more difficult, we do find help in 2 Corinthians 12 and 13 for these types of situations where there are allegations. Uh, chapter 12, verse 21 says, I fear, this is Paul speaking, I fear that when I come, my God will again humiliate me in your presence, and I will grieve for many who sinned before and have not repented of the moral impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they practice. Next verse, verse 1 of chapter 13, this is the third time I am coming to you. Every matter speaking of those sins must be established by the testimony of two or three Witnesses. This is a little teachy this morning for a Sunday morning. I apologize. We'll skim some other time, right? But basically, this is what Paul says: there's some, there's some sexual impurity, there's some issues, some sin going on, and he says this. However, every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You say, Josh, that's not, that's not hundred percent blanket. It, it, it isn't. It is not a hundred percent statement. Sometimes things happen and there are no other witnesses except the person and the victim and the perpetrator. I understand that. I'm not talking about that. I love how in America we 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 make like laws based upon like the 0.03% exception to the rule. I'm not talking about the 0.03% here. I'm talking about the overwhelming majority of situations. Here's how we ought to deal with it. If we were in Potiphar's situation. I like to look at it this way. We must establish stories with This word, facts. Oh, we live in, I mean, I hate even saying this. We live in fake news on like every side, but we must establish stories with facts. In fact, the day and age we live in, we tend to rush to judgment on matters with insufficient evidence. We tend to rust the judgment in the media, in the news media in 2018, today. It's not, you no longer are credited as as an amazing journalist because of the quality of your work. You are now credited to be an amazing journalist if you can push the story out first. So-and-so broke this news. And -and so-and-so has about 50% of the facts. But so-and-so broke this news. And so oftentimes we find ourselves over time, and you know, we live in such a, a fast-paced, fast-moving world that the tragedy that happened two weeks ago, we're not even thinking about anymore. So so oftentimes we hear the, the less-than-factual story, and by the next day we've moved on to something else, and we have made up our minds about that story based on no facts or half-facts. We ought to, even in a day and age that we live in, to be fair to everyone involved, we must, we must hear matters of allegations, uh, anything like that with facts. With facts. I like to say it like this. There are always three sides to every story. You've probably been told your whole life that there are two sides to every story. Well, there's your side and there's my side. I will tell you this morning, there are three sides to every story. There is this side... There is this side and there's the truth. Because so often our stories are clouded by our perception. I'm looking at it from this side. It looks clean. I'm looking at it from this side. It looks dirty. I'm looking at it from the truth. You know what it is? There's legitimate flaws. There's smudges all over this thing. Because for some reason they use this to store stuff on during the week when we're not here. I'm looking at this, and I see it's a little bit crooked right here, and this screw is a little bit out. You know what? It's not clean, and it's not dirty. I'm seeing the truth. You know what? That's the way it is most of the time. There are three sides to every story. Lest we rush into judgment, lest we think that we've heard one side, and that's all we need to hear. Let us be careful. Let us be prudent. Let us be sober-minded to find the facts. I told somebody a couple weeks ago, there's a bunch of, in like the the Christian world right now, there's like, anyway, there's craziness going on, allegations of people, and and then, anyway, I won't even tell you about it, because it's dumb. But at the end of the day, I, I tell people this, I'm a truth seeker. And like, I can find common ground with anyone else that is a truth seeker. I can find zero common ground with people that are truth sweepers. At the end of the day, to me, and I think to God, and I think biblically, facts matter. Facts matter. And I apologize for the step into kind of the teaching realm this morning, but I want us to understand what the Bible has for us in in those, those areas. Had Potiphar been able to find the truth, Had it been possible for him to to fast-forward thousands of years and see what Paul was going to write in 2 Corinthians 12 and 13, I fully believe Potiphar would have made a different decision and would not have betrayed his successful employee. But at the end of the day, Joseph was betrayed. Again. Come back next week, because guess what? He's going to be betrayed. Again. Again. Story of his life. So we have seen that Joseph was faithful to his earthly master. He was faithful to his heavenly father. He was betrayed by his earthly master. But fourthly this morning, we see Joseph's confidence in his heavenly father's presence. The beginning of this chapter, chapter 39, verse 2 says this. This is after he was sold into slavery. The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man, serving the household of his Egyptian master, Potiphar. This story happens, 19 verses. At the end, verse 21. Let's look at it. Even after all this, Potiphar's wife, craziness. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended Kindness to him. Before it happened, he was betrayed by his brothers. He winds up in slavery. Hey, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph goes to Potiphar. He's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He is thrown into prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. A.W. Tozer said it this way. Each day presents a new opportunity to experience God's presence. Each day presents a new opportunity to experience God's presence. Presence. Every day of our lives, every battle that we face, every valley that we go through, every sin that we deal with, every mountaintop experience that we have, every good day, every bad day, every single breath that we take is a breath to experience God's presence in our lives. Hey Joseph, when you get promoted in Potiphar's house, the Lord was with you. Hey Joseph, when you get betrayed and thrown in prison, the Lord was with you. Hey Joseph, when your dad found when you found favor in the sight of your dad and were given the coat, the Lord was with you. When you were betrayed by your brothers and nearly murdered and thrown into a pit and sold into slavery, did I get all that out? The Lord was with you. Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, I know, Josh. I taught that to my little kid. Okay, guess what? Grown adult. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord was with Joseph. And you might today, you might be betrayed. You might be down and out. You might be feeling like the cards are stacked against you. You might be feeling like you're about to break and you're about to fold. The Lord will be with you, If you have claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have His Holy Spirit living inside of you, and He can never, ever leave your heart and your life. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. We should wake up every day. God, I'm in your presence. What would you have for my day? God, my day's bad. God, you know my life. You know the things that have, have come into my life. Joseph, God, you know I'm going to prison now. I'm like in another country. Things are going great. I got lied about. I'm about to go to prison. I'm with you, Joseph. I'm with you. At the end of the day, if we have Jesus and we have nothing else, we have everything. We talked about that several months ago in our church. Practically applying a couple of things and we're done this morning. From the story. We've talked about this, and this is a little bit by way of review. Every sin we commit is ultimately a sin against God. Plain and simple. Every sin we commit is ultimately a sin against God. And it should be treated as such, and we should begin the process of repentance with Him. With Him. We must. And I think a problem that we have in our society Uh, even in the church world is that we want to begin the process here. And we like, we're having issues with whatever it is and we want to fix this. And it takes a little bit maybe to fix this first, but this is what needs to be fixed first. So every sin we commit is ultimately a sin against God. The second, life application. And I love to do these every week. I hope they help you because they help me, to be honest with you. So if it doesn't help you, i listen to it back maybe and it'll help me life isn't fair it never has been it never will be y'all ready for this? y'all ready for this? and that's a good thing y'all catch that last part? man I should have had to throw it on the screen Justin I'm sorry man it's my fault life isn't fair it never has been it never will be And that's a good thing. Joseph, life isn't fair. Never has been, never will be. Just wait. Just wait a couple more years. Just wait a little bit of time. Because it's a good thing. Hey, New Testament Christians, those of us living under grace, those of us that have been saved by the grace of Jesus, hey, guess what? Life isn't fair. Praise God. Because if life was fair, Romans 6 in my Bible says the wages of sin is death. If life was fair, I'm so glad life isn't fair. Even when life seems unfair, I'm glad it's unfair. I'll take it because grace is unfair, mercy is unfair, the love of Jesus is unfair. So life is not fair, it never has been, it never will be, and that is a good thing. Thirdly, if we find rest in the, fact and, in, in the truth and the fact of God's presence in our lives, there is nothing in life that we cannot face. With God, all things are possible. When we bask in his presence, when we, when we understand the overwhelming presence of God in our lives, there is nothing we cannot face. It's like going out and, you know, maybe you're in, a, you're in a tough, rough part of town and you turn the corner and there's some guys there and they start talking a little junk and they start coming at you a little bit aggressively. It's the difference between being by yourself And having about 15 dudes from your from a college football team behind you ready to go to war with you all of a sudden a little weakling like me I get a little I'm like all right come on man let's go I got all my guys behind me it don't matter bring on what you got I got I got my guys you know what life instead of oh no it's like come on let's do this devil what you got what you got today Joseph says, hey, what do you got today, devil? Prison? Slavery? Pits? What do you got? Bring it on. Because he lived in the presence of God. And then lastly, and we're done, we once again, as we have every week, find Jesus in the life of Joseph. Jesus, our Savior, our wonderful Savior, our beautiful, perfect Savior, Jesus, was falsely accused Numerous times of breaking the Sabbath, of healing people on the Sabbath, of, uh, of stopping and helping someone on the side of the road on the Sabbath day. Falsely accused. He was falsely accused of being a, a glutton and a drunkard. He was falsely accused. He was falsely accused of being a cult leader. Hey, you say that you are God? Falsely accused. But those accusations, while he certainly faced earthly punishment, Jesus did, they never held any heavenly weight. The same in the life of Joseph. Falsely accused. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. Well, at least once that we know of for sure. Never held any heavenly weight. God was with him, and God protected him, and God promoted him. From the pit to the palace. From the, oh man, this is about to be alliterated. From the pit. To Potiphar's house, to prison, to the palace with Pharaoh. Man, (laughs) look at that. We find Jesus. We find Jesus. We find the one who gave his life for us. We find the one who's greater than Joseph could ever be. We find Jesus in his life. And I want to ask you this morning have you found Jesus? For your life? Have you found Jesus? Has there been that time where you have uh, been convicted of your sin and you've been convicted of the fact that you cannot save yourself? That in your sin, you, like me, were condemned in our sin. Has there been that time where you've repented of that sin that's in your life? You have turned to Jesus Christ, not with a head knowledge of I know you're there. Talk to you later. No, but of full repentance and full belief in what the Bible calls faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. I'm not going to give you the illustration again, but faith is, faith is it's different than this. It's this. It's, it's believing with your whole heart. It's giving your entire heart to Jesus. There's never been that time in your life where you've done that. I would love for today to be that day, I'll be honest with you. There's not a greater decision that you could ever make in your life than to turn to Jesus. We find him in the middle of the Old Testament in Genesis, talking about Joseph. We find him in the book of Psalms. We were in Psalm 23 a few months ago. Jesus was all through there. We find Jesus all throughout Scripture at all points to him. And I want to ask you today, is He your Savior? Do you have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? If not, you can begin one today. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit KeystoneRDU.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.